Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is an ABC podcast. Good plan. Good plan. Who thought of this one? You're listening to the Out of Sanctum podcast. Here is a moment in time in the history of the AFL. In from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by... Oh, hello. Welcome to the Outer Sanctum for another week. And you're probably asking yourself, is this Emma Race? Don't adjust your headphones. It is actually Lucy Race. And I will be your host today as the buy round hits the team. <laughs> so strap yourselves in. Today, I am joined by my football loving lady friends. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Well done, Lucy. This is Nicole Hayes. And I'm Tess Armstrong. Yeah. Hi, you two. <laughs> Tiger Tess is in the house. I've, I've come from the other side of the studio into the this studio. A lovely view, looking it's, at the two of you. Yeah, oh. normally I have to swing around to see you, so it's nice looking at your gorgeous face. Here I am, fresh and ready to go, off the bench for the bye round. <laughs> so we should probably go through the team and um, explain where everyone is. Alicia <laughs> is out with illness, mm. yep. not hers, one of the kids. Sorry about that. Emma's out with pina coladas <laughs> in mm. Hawaii, so we're really enjoying that Instagram account. We're really not. And Kate, I think, was in Italy last mm. time we saw. It's hard to keep up. She's in Tuscany. Yeah. She's She's been in Paris. Not cool. We've talked about holidays in September. It should be against the rules. Did they know the Hawks weren't going to be in the finals? Is that what happened? She is mm. the number one ticket holder. I know. Yes. Anyway, well, hopefully they will be back next week refreshed and ready to take on the finals. But um, <laughs> before we get there, I just wanted to tell you guys, I met one of my podcast idols last night. Oh, so wow. I went along to the Melbourne Writers Festival and heard D. Ray McKesson from Pod Save the People talk about his new book, which is called On the Other Side of Freedom. And it was so great to sit there and listen to him. And I'm halfway through the book, but there are a few takeaways from that mm. that I just wanted to share with you. One of the things that he talked about was how important it is to bring truth with you when you walk into every room. And that really stuck mm. with me because, you know, he said sometimes you go in and you your ego takes over or you try to sort of smooth things over and um, maintain your social capital, but how important it is to take truth with you. The other thing that he talked about was how he works in as an activist in Black Lives Matter and he was talking about gun violence and people who have lost their lives at the hands of police. He was saying while the conversation has changed and is getting better, the outcomes have actually got worse. So it was a really good reminder that we need to keep an eye on outcomes. We also need to keep an eye on the system. But I kind of disgraced myself because I went up to get my book signed and you write on a little post-it note your name. I couldn't spell my name. I had to cross it out and write it again. Which bit oh, Which bit did yeah. you struggle with, the like, Lucy or the race? I kind of did an LWY. My, my hand was shaking so much. I was so nervous. So That's the first hilarious. thing I had to say to him was, this is how nervous I am. 
How oh. was he? Was he really? Um, he was open? charming, charming, mm. delightful, and incredible presence. I guess. Yeah, yeah. he's a real intellect, isn't he? He's he was amazing on Q and A. Can I do a little name drop too? I had oh, dinner yeah. with Tayari Jones on Saturday night. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Just her and me hanging what? in De Graves Street. No, we did. Yes, we did. And she told me all about meeting Michelle and Barack and Oprah, oh who was what she said was friendly but busy. Mm. And I said, I asked her to unpack that a little bit for me. And she said, no, she's very warm and engaging, but she's about five steps ahead of everything all of the time. Mm. But Tayari spent two hours with Michelle <gasps> and wow. Barry came in, Barack came in in the middle of it and had a chat and they both loved Barry. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. I called him that. I'm not sure anyone else does, but they both loved an American marriage and had an in-depth chat with her about that book. Which is just, oh and so God. I'm like two steps away from Barack Obama and Michelle Obama and I could die happy. That's a good wow. week. All right, right. That's a fairly good week. And Tyree Jones is incredible talent mm. too, so. Well, yeah. Beyonce only follows about, I think it's six people on Twitter and Doray McKesson is one of them. So oh. I feel like I'm one step away from Beyonce Wow, now. you win. <laughs> <laughs> so it has been the bye week, which is traditionally mm. quite, you know, fairly quiet. Yeah. Not a lot of football, people looking for things to do. So the AFL did something <laughs> and they have opened the ARC. So the ARC is the AFL's review centre and it is like a bunker with many, many screens. It has super slow, slow motion, extreme slow mm. motion. <laughs> it's interesting to find out that they actually trialled it in round 23, but they're going to launch it and use it for the first time in the finals. Mm. What could possibly go wrong? It, I actually, looking at that photo, I immediately thought of the Situation Room in the West Wing, but like without missiles and things. Like it looks quite impressive. I'm just wondering who's operating all that equipment and, and how qualified and paid, whether they're well paid Well, they will be. So there are two supervisors. I think there's about 10 staff. They're actually having three pods. So there's a score review pod. <laughs> Podcasts. I think that's yes. what we call them. <laughs> yeah. mm. There is a match review slash medical pod so that they can be reviewing things Michael Christensen's and Mr. P. Mr. P. P thinks that that's going to make things a lot faster in terms of getting information out about who might be facing sanctions or what needs to be looked at. But also medical staff will be there to, I guess, assess, you know, issues that we've seen this week, uh, this year with players who may be suffering from concussion mm. and it hasn't been noted. The third pod will be an umpire's pod where they can, I guess, keep an eye on things that they might want to go back and review during the mm. week. There's wow. going to be a lot of people in there. The thing that's really interesting, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things that are interesting about this. It's not going to be used on Thursday night. It will be used for the first time on Friday what? night. Really? Which I find bizarre because... Is it because it's in Western Australia? Yeah. Well, there's, the well, there's a game on Thursday, on Thursday night and it just strikes me as a strange thing, like bring it in for... <sighs> That's all the of most the Aussie rules thing I've mm. ever heard, by the yeah. way, that we've created this entire new function, but we can't start it on Thursday night for no, no. apparent reason. Well, is it just because it's in WA, the game? Is that, would that be what that it's about? That must be it's really it. The arc doesn't travel, guys. <laughs> it does not travel. It's a smaller arc doesn't than we It doesn't get thought. out of bed for less than the MCG, <laughs> so no way. It looks like the budget from AFLX, long may it. <laughs> has been given all the way to the ARC. I mean, it looks very flash. My sister did have a concern with it, though. Do you know what the ARC stands for? AFL Review Centre. The AFL yeah. Review Centre. And she said, no, can you put an acronym cheating. into an acronym? Mm -mm. No, because the A is already an acronym. Absolutely. So it should be the AFLRC. That is harder to say. <laughs> 
less catchy. <laughs> less catchy. Uh, the Ark of Covenant, as Alicia sometimes would call it, <laughs> doesn't get there. Well, you know what happened when they opened the Ark of the Covenant, so <laughs> we all saw that. Look out for some melting faces. We have some games coming up. Football is here. It is, and it launches on Thursday night, which I'm still not okay with. But anyway. I've come Thursday around on Thursday night football, despite myself, I know. Well, Good night. Okay, well, this one's going to start, well, it starts early in Perth, but normal time here. West Coast Eagles will take on Essendon over there in Perth Stadium. Reigning premiers, of course, but they did have a bit of a stumble at the end, care of the Hawks, which pushed them out of that second chance spot. Against 8th Essendon, 8th place Essendon, who I think some of us might feel is maybe holding that spot, you know, for Mm. practice for next year more than anything else. (laughs) But having said that, there's some injury questions over some of the West Coast players. According to Adam Simpson, Josh Kennedy is 100% and there's nothing no, nothing to see here, but there are a lot of rumours and, and Shannon Hearn will be a close call with hamstring awareness, that old favourite. <laughs> they will be looking to get Nick Knapp back after two months up with an ankle, both ankles hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> but one that was sore. I think that matchup against Bell Chambers will be really exciting and really telling. Star defender Michael Hurley was back at training. But also for, for the Essendon, obviously, Dyson Heppel, Jake Stringer and Orazio Fantasia, Cal Hooker, they're all looking like they'll be back. So that does give Essendon some mm. hope. Not convinced that will be enough <laughs> to get them over. But either way, look, I'm hoping it'll be a better game than this time last year. Although the other thing, the very big thing that's at stake here is it does feel like John Worsfold's job as coach Ooh, at yeah. Essendon is very much on the line. Um, there's talk that the outcome won't make any difference to that, that the decision's already been made. Very I, harsh. Oh, that's, a, that's a pretty harsh. Well, that's, you know, what some of the former ex-current players are saying. <laughs> it's fascinating that that's actually a conversation when they're playing finals. It doesn't feel like the team thing to be doing, does it? Mm. But anyway. I would have thought if they go and absolutely wipe the floor with the Eagles, it would be very hard to make the case that that's not the guy. And even if they can get a second, like if they could string two wins together in the finals, that would be a very strong case in West favour. So (laughs) if um, they win the grand final, (laughs) do you think he keeps his job? What are your thoughts? uh, His chances improve for sure. (laughs) So Friday night we'll head to the MCG, controversially, for the Cats and the Magpies. We do. What do you reckon? I'm really looking forward to this game. They've traditionally been very close games, even Mm. when Geelong were at the top of their game. Collingwood had a very strong standing against the Cats during those years. They've played their last five games at the MCG. So while the MCG is a controversial place for this game to be held, it's not actually out of the ordinary. They've played their last five games there and Geelong have won the last three. Mm. They have the advantage at this ground. They finished on top of the ladder. Now, the big issue for Geelong is that they're coming off a bye. Mm. They have been cursed. If they can put that behind them, it would do wonders for the mental strength of that group. But it's been a bit on for the Cats, but they did finish top of the ladder. They are an incredible team across the field. Patrick Dangerfield is in career best form. They should go in favourites. On the other hand, the Pies have finished the season so strongly. They have Jaden Stevenson, Jordan Degoe coming back, two pretty handy uh, mm. additions to your forward line. And I have to put it to you like this. I did some research about the animals, right? Cats, Collingwood, <laughs> what's going to happen? Cats. I feel like I know the answer to this. <laughs> Go on. Who'd win in a fight, guys? <laughs> Cats, household and feral, kill a million birds in this country every single day. Oh, wow. They have a, a long-held um, <laughs> advantage over bird species. They are the predators, they win against the birds. And I was trying to kind of liken that to Geelong's season. They've been strong across the season. Magpies, though, were coming into September 
It's swooping season. Mm. They're up and about. The magpies are coming for you. So at this particular time, I'm likening that to Collingwood, who've won their last four games coming into September because it's swooping season. Who wins? A swooping magpie at the top of their game <laughs> or a long-term predator wow. cat who may or may not have already killed a million birds that day and so be tired. How long did you spend on the research for this? Not very long. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Can we also mention Pendlebury's 300? It's true. That's a big That's one. Big. And That's I think the, big. I think the pies will step up for that too because he's won a champion, what an incredible player he's Amazing. Been. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing Geelong <laughs> running out with stack hats with straws sticking out through the top. <laughs> and the eyes Maybe that's on. how to do it. I would love um, that. You'll be pleased to know that I've gone equally as in-depth with my review <laughs> or my preview of uh, the GWS and the Western oh, yeah. Bulldogs game, which will take place on Saturday afternoon. Elimination final, always tense. Rather than looking at actual facts and statistics and <laughs> matchups. I thought I'd just look for some easy clues. So there's going to be some feeling in the clash. There is a chance that Nick Haynes will be set to return from mm. his fractured voice box, which is <sighs> just, that was so a gross. terrible injury. So he was crunched, you will remember, by Bontempelli. And there was a bit of argy-bargy after that because the Bont just was fined. He was lucky not to get weeks, <laughs> but because the medical report hadn't been available, he didn't, he didn't get sent. So, well, he he got a fine. Um, so there is talk that Nick Haynes has been back at training and we'll find out today if he is going to be declared fit. The other thing that is going to be, I guess, helping... Greater Western Sydney is the fact that Caniglio has signed. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. That's the kind of thing that makes you feel good about your club. You know, he's signing for seven years. Mm. So I think that will work in their favour. On the other side of the ledger, the Bulldogs love seventh place. That's their happy place. <laughs> and when they went up there before to play a final, they smashed the Giants. Oh, so the best. I don't know. It was really, really hard. I couldn't pick it. So I thought, I'll go to movies. <laughs> you've got the Greater Western Sydney team. You've got Western Bulldogs, where the West was one. Oh, now, I've got a confession good. to make. I'm not great on old movies. <laughs> so I Googled it and I couldn't really work out the plot of How the West Was Won. So I looked up another film from 1994 called How the West Was Fun. <laughs> And that is a little gem featuring Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. And it's all to do with someone, you know, not being able to save the ranch and it's going to be taken over by new money. And I thought, oh, there's your key. That gives me the clue that the Bulldogs, the traditional team, is going to win. Oh, I love it. Good Lord. Take it to the bank. Um, Saturday night, we have lions and tigers. No lions bears. and tigers and bears. Because technically the bears are there in spirit. Absolutely. Yeah. The home of the bears. What do you reckon, Tess? <sighs> very nervous, very excited. If people don't know, I'm a Tigers fan. <laughs> We haven't played at the Gabba since 2017. However, 2017, pretty good year for Richmond. Actually, that was our premiership year. We played them in round 23. I think if you take away the first quarter, it was very even from then on. The first quarter was all about Dustin Martin. He changed the game. He is the match winner. He's the guy. So I do think, again, if he can just kick it to Jack, Rewalt, which I would watch him kicking it to Jack Rewalt for the rest of my life on repeat. I think that we'll be okay because he's amazing. Grimes uh, and Hooley made the All-Australian this year. That's Basha Hooley's first nod in the All-Australian, so I was really proud of that. The back line since Alex Rance hasn't been here have really stood up. If I took off my yellow and black hat, Brisbane have seen off a lot of challenges. They are so delightful. They are strong across the field, led by Chris Fagan, football's dad. Harris Andrews is just an absolute superstar who I think has really 
benefited from having Hodgie down back mm. to teach him kind of how to take his defence. Next level, Charlie Cameron. Yeah. You'd watch him play football any of the day of the yeah. week. The midfield, Scottish suitcase, Hugh McCluggage, everybody. Lockie it's Neal. Lockie Neal. Lockie Neal. James Zorko. Big talks last time he played. Outrageous. He so might be a Brownlow. He might be a Brownlow. He might be a Brownlow. Who knows? He might be Lockie. He might be Brownlow. I yep. don't know. So it's pretty, <laughs> I don't have anything to split them. So I had to go to history. I found an article from Quora in 2013 titled, If a Tiger Fought a Lion, Which Animal Would Win? Perfect. Which I've often thought about but never mm. got, got into. In the circuses of ancient Rome, these exotic beasts were commonly pitted against one another. At the end of the 19th century, the Gakwad of Baroda arranged a fight between a lion and a tiger before an audience of thousands. He favoured the lion and as a result he had to pay 37,000 rupees as the lion was mauled by the tiger. <gasps> How many people does the Gabba hold? 37,000. Oh, so I oh, wow. feel like that's an absurd omen, but I'm going with it. The expert says the outcome of a given fight completely depends on individuals, history, blah, blah, blah. This is a biologist. But if I had to put my money on it, I would give the advantage to the tiger. What I've seen from tigers, they seem to be more aggressive. They go for the throat. They go for the kill. Whereas the lions are more like, I'll pound you and just play with you. <laughs> That's his expert and call. So Emma Race's head just exploded. She's like, she still are doesn't they know which different? is which. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that was robust, and <laughs> like, we really brought the rigor. Wow. Right. We also have some VFLW happening oh, on yeah. the weekend. So there was some some games that just happened where we got to see one of our faves mm-hmm. uh, step up. Danny Marshall, basically the difference in the, the Bulldogs-Tigers game when Portes is crying. But I think she kicked the first goal but also was dominant on the field. And they are now going through. They'll be playing the Pies on Saturday. And we have on Sunday the Southern Saints will be taking on the Muggers. What was really interesting for me was one of our listeners sent in an article about how much collaboration goes on between the VFLW clubs in terms of um, – nurturing and supporting and developing talent even for each other and on behalf of each other with the aim of the AFLW being the main goal. Mm. So coaches are actually talking to each other all of the time. It's a really interesting space, isn't it? Because this is all new post mm, yes. This is all a consequence of AFLW. Um, the VFL was its own competition in its own right once and now it's become basically a developmental process, it seems. There was a really interesting article that um, came out during the week. It's a piece by Sarah Black um, with beautiful photos by Michael Wilson and it was focusing on the Darabin Falcons who, you know, so many people saw as the giant of the VFLW competition for a very long time and they kind of talking about how they feel like they're the underdog now mm. and it's an interesting club in the that they were told that, and I'm reading a quote here, we were told in no uncertain terms that we wouldn't exist unless we joined up with a men's AFL team, says club president Sarah Brady. We made a conscious decision that we wouldn't do that. So they're in a really mm. interesting space where they're trying to stand alone. And one of the other things that Sarah went on to say is the club's still here because it has such a strong history and a great group of women behind it. We often say not in our lifetime will we disappear from the VFLW. So I guess there's like a mixture of history. There's a mixture of, I guess, objectives yeah. and of what people are trying to provide, we see it play out. I think we can safely say, though, it's really good for women's football right across the board. I mean, what all the clubs are doing in terms of helping develop, but also giving opportunities for women to play. I'm Emma Carney, and you're listening to the Outer Sanctum. All right, ladies, are we ready to melee? Let's go. Roll up those sleeves, take off that beanie. (laughs) Um, So one of the things that we thought we might do is have a look back on the season and just bring our highlights and our lowlights from the season, and they can be on-field or off-field. So, Nick, do you want to kick off with your highlight? I'm going to be really predictable. I went straight to Jared Ruffhead's (laughs) 
final game. Oh, that's awkward. That was my low light. Oh. <laughs> well, it is a bit, it is, we are a bit conflicted about that. But no, I think you'd have to be dead inside not to have felt <laughs> something watching that game. I mean, quite apart from just his general delight and all of the interviews he did and his generosity of spirit and just giving up so much time to fans and to the media in the lead up, which would have been a very stressful and anxious time for him, I'd mm. imagine, but also really emotional. So seeing his generosity off field, which we're not surprised by at all, was amazing. But then to go on the ground and kick six goals, but his final goal, which was a final goal for the match, was like this scoop snap on the run that Cyril would have, you know, been impressed by. And to see him kick one of his best goals ever as his final kind of tribute to the game. And we're all tearing up. I can see it. It was extraordinary. Beyond that, it showcased the best of football. So one, we got to see extraordinary football by an extraordinary champion who unquestionably was a great of the game and will be across generations. But also it united everybody in a way that I don't know that football's been able to do as much Mm -hmm. lately. I think we're getting back to a space where we can again, but I don't think there's any other player that has that ability to unite fans, media and other clubs and seeing players, former former Hawthorne players come across and share the experience with Ruff coming from different clubs and being inside even in the inner sanctum when Geordie and Jordan Lewis and Hodge and Grant Virtual were all there for his sort of pre-game chat. I just think it was bringing out the best of football and it reminded us how great this game can be. Beautiful. Tess, what about you? I wanted to give a shout out to Sydney Stack. Every year, for I'm sure all all other teams and all other fans have this, but no matter what's happening in your club, there's always a glimmer of hope. There's always a silver lining. There's always a new player who you take to that you never saw coming. Sydney Stack didn't go through the normal draft system. After the 2018 draft, he came over and did some casual training with Richmond. Damien Hardwick and Richmond saw something in him. They invited him to come over and do more. He lived with Damien Hardwick for a short time, like many of our players have done, actually. And um, then we picked him up early in the year. I think I must have been round three or four, but we were going along terribly. We'd lost Alex Rance, Cochin was injured, Rewalt was injured, Dusty was not in great form. He was getting hassled by Matt DeBoer from GWS. He was yelling stuff across the road at Shane Mumford. It was just, it was a terrible game. All of a sudden comes this player in his debut. Sydney Stack kicked the most amazing goal on debut and he was just, watching him made everything better and we lost and I thought it doesn't matter because that guy is going to be a star. A couple of weeks later in the Anzac Day Eve match, he had this game where he tackled Jack Viney in a tackle that was just mind-boggling, mm. kicked a torp, took a specky, and Damien Hardwick said they're going to want to build a statue of that guy outside Punt Road. He was just amazing. And then came off the field. Dreamtime at the G, he leads the war cry uh, for Richmond and just led to the most stunning photos ever. It was just completely beautiful. He also had all this good gear on Instagram, which Daniel Rioli talked to you about, Lucy, about his dancing. He brought, he brought so much joy to the team off the field, and I've heard that he is quite a leader off the field as well, organising things behind the scenes. He's really taken it on. And then also came his celebration with Eddie Betts. Mm. So when we were playing in the Adelaide Oval, he and Eddie were having a bit of back and forth where he said, no special goals today, brother. And Mm. Eddie kicked, of course, a special goal (laughs) in in the way that only Eddie Betts can do. And they celebrated with one another and Sydney Stack hugged him and showed a lot of respect. And that led to one person saying they didn't like the look of it or whatever, but everybody universally loving it. And it Mm. led to a great article by Des Headland, which was called What the Stack Bets Hug Meant and Why Whitefellas Missed the Point. And he wrote about a thing called Kaya, which is a, a mark of respect and love that 
Indigenous players have for one another on the field. And it was just such amazing insight into something that you might not know. And once again, leads to the point of having Indigenous voices in the commentary boxes and writing about this game because you learn stuff that you didn't know before. And it was just beautiful. So my whole highlight, no matter what happens this year, is 100% Sydney Stack. I just have loved it. Can't argue with that no, one. Can't argue with that one. Absolutely. Mine's actually an off-field one. So my highlight was when um, the AFL clubs came together and issued an unreserved apology to Adam Goods for not standing with him. And why that's my highlight is that I think it was a powerful statement, but it showed that there's been change. People and the clubs and the AFL has listened and talked to people and learned. And I think that's really important. To have that unified, visible statement is really significant. Part of that, I think, you know, the thanks for that goes to Tanya Hosh for her ongoing work and advocacy as the AFL's general manager in inclusion and social policy. We can see her work in the fact that we now have the Indigenous Players Association, Mm. which I think is fantastic, and also in the role that she played in taking the Nikki Winmar statue across to Perth and having a beautiful moment in unveiling it. So there's a great piece that Carolyn Wilson wrote a few weeks ago about the work that Tanya Hosh has done. She's someone who works really hard behind the scenes and that's my highlight. Awesome. Yeah. So we probably should have gone lowlights first, (laughs) but Nick, what's yours? So I'm going to be banging on about the same thing. I think we all have most of this year and it is that the knuckleheadedness we keep seeing (laughs) amongst some aspects of the media, football media, particularly the TV commentary, which harks back to what you said before, Tess, about the lack of diversity in the commentary box. Some of the examples we had were Orazio. I'm going to say Fantasia because that's been the most recent preferred name. But the problem with the Brian Taylor and Orazio pronunciation challenge uh, where BT refused to listen. That was the point of why that was such a big issue and why it became so confronting for so many people is that he was not concerned with the appropriate pronunciation and he was continuing to espouse the notion of you're in Australia and this is what you say. So we had that. We also had in the post-Adam Goods documentary, we still had people arguing that it wasn't racist, that the booing continued and that there were some notable media commentators who persisted with that line. Sam Newman's virulent transphobia continued through his social media and his podcast. The fact that Eddie Maguire continues to keep the footy show Titanic afloat Mm. with Sam Newman at the helm. And even though this might seem more benign, the anachronistic attitude displayed by Mike Sheehan in the post-goods documentary, the panel on the project, where he talked about how nobody gives you a job in the media and explaining the vast whiteness, the sea Mm. of whiteness in the media as being, again, that notion of merit that we keep hearing that we know is deeply problematic. Having him resort to that same tired argument. It was just such a reminder of how things have not changed and how we're seeing the same faces. And even when we see new commentators coming through, they're still white, they're still male, they're still in the mould of the older commentators. And there has been little change where that's concerned. Gilly McAdams is a great addition, but he can't carry the load on his own. Mm. We want to see more women. We want to see more diversity. We want to see absolutely more Indigenous people in the commentary box and in the big picture, like the main footy shows. We do. Thank you, Nick. Oof. Tess, how about you? Mine's very boring, but injuries, right? This year. That's boring. boring. Well, the injuries haven't been boring, but I mean, it has been a low light with a silver lining. So as I spoke about before, Sydney Stack probably wouldn't have got a gig this year had all of our other players not been injured. But one thing across the game this year has been the prevalence of some unusual injuries. So I think about 
cover your ears if you're delicate, but a ruptured testicle to steal oh. side bottom recently, the voice box of, of Haynes, mm. the eyes of Mason Cox, a brain bleed for Jack Higgins, Dylan Robertson's heart murmur, which has been really problematic and nerve-wracking, Darcy Moore's mysterious hamstrings, a gastro outbreak in Shanghai for the St Kilda Football Club, and the retirement of Tom Boyd, who will be missed but a premiership champion forever for mental health reasons. And there's been a lot of season-ending injuries as well. Mm-hmm. We had your Tom Mitchell before the season mm-hmm. even begun, Alex Rance, Tom Duday, Sam Doherty, Joe Danaher, Jesse Hogan, Callum Ward, Neville Jetta, Jack Watts, Jaron Geary, Devin Smith, to name a very few they are all superstars. Yeah. Everybody this year can probably think about the young players that have come up in your team that you probably wouldn't have got a gig this year if not for all of those injuries. Next year's going to be amazing to see all of those players back, mm. regardless of where they're playing, thinking of Joe Danaher. It's going to be amazing yeah. to get them back. On the back of that too, there were a whole series of concussion-related injuries. And, and I just thought I'd mention that there is currently or there has been some data collection through these mouthguards, these specifically Bluetooth-wired mm. mouthguards, which are to measure impact of from collisions. They've trialled it in a few, with a few clubs to date, but they are going to roll it out across more clubs next cool. year. And it just allows the p- possibility of real-time data and to be able to mm. measure because there is real d- difference between the same impact can have a different uh, effect and a different fallout for an individual player. So the more data they can mm. gather, the better. So I guess a positive that's come out oh, of it? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I did make fun of the ARC and <laughs> the various pods in the ARC, but I do think it's fantastic that there will be somebody from the medical yeah. profession yeah. sitting in there and keeping an eye on things because that's what we want. So we want should. everyone to be okay. My low light, I you know, have been banging on about this all year as well, is just the ongoing issue of inappropriate comments via social media. And we've seen a number of big stories off the back of this. The big challenge is still for organisations to think about how you're going to take responsibility. And so far, I haven't really seen a lot of change in that area. Mm. So I have hope for change. Um, I have hope that people like Taylor Harris, Eddie Betts, Magic Door don't have to keep blocking people and reading horrific things every time Mm. they go online. And I'm reminded by something that my dear friend Doray McKesson (laughs) said last night, which is don't let the systems off the hook. And we mm. always have to come back to the system. If the AFL is going to have relationships with some of these big social media companies, yes. which I think they're exploring, let's talk about ways to make sure that we can keep those comments appropriate. Hey, I wanted to discuss an update in a story that we've been following for nearly as long as this pod has been going, and that is the story of Colin Kaepernick. So the NFL footballer who has taken a knee during the national anthem before games to protest police brutality and racial discrimination and is now out of a job. Um, A few weeks ago, I don't know whether you saw, but Jay-Z's entertainment company, Rock Nation, signed a deal with the NFL, which would see them helping the NFL with their live music strategy. But it also means that they have a role in contributing to the NFL's social justice initiatives such as Inspire Change and setting up spaces such as podcasts and documentaries where players can speak about issues that concern them. This partnership has been met with controversy. I don't know whether you've seen Mm. it on social media, but controversy to say the least. And I have to say that it was really surprising and a bit challenging to see Jay-Z sitting next to the NFL commissioner, Roger Goddell. Jay-Z, you'll remember, is the man who famously sang, you need me, I don't need you, to the NFL a few years ago and who wore a Kaepernick jersey on live TV. Mm. Kaepernick's girlfriend summed up what many people were thinking when she posted, and this is a quote, 
So really, how can Jay-Z and the NFL utter social justice in their partnership while keeping Colin unemployed because of his social justice Mm. work? And there's been a lot of analysis about what the deal means in terms of supporting an organisation that's behaved questionably, issues of how to be an activist. And I would recommend that you read some of these articles. One of them, which was great, is Jamel Hill's article in The Atlantic called Jay-Z Helped the NFL Banish Colin Kaepernick. Mm. And we will link to that. Another one is an article by Rodney Carmine in NPR. And that really explores the complexities of race, culture and capitalism that are at play with this development. As I said, we'll put these shows in uh, these pieces in the show notes, but I wanted to read a quote from Rodney Carmichael and he said, as it stands, the deal feels like the NFL attempting to invalidate Kaepernick's sacrifice without extending him the courtesy of a seat at the table. And its success hinges on Jay's ability to leverage black cultural capital for the benefit of a league that has spent the last three years publicly valuing it. The story, I don't think it's going to resolve easily and it's worth keeping an eye on it because it's really illuminating on themes that are so much bigger than sport. But what is certain is that Kaepernick's activism has done so much to highlight how an athlete can use their platform. Like Jesse Owens, Muhammad Ali, Tommy Smith, John Carlos, he's going to leave a legacy. And we saw that legacy here in a story on last week's episode of Colour of Your Jumper. I don't know if you've caught this, but this is a show on the AFL website and it's hosted by Shelley Ware. The panel this week was Andrew Cracker, Nathan Lovett-Murray and Tony Anderson. And they discussed a story of two young Aboriginal boys who decided to kneel during the national anthem before their under-14 grand final. Mm. Shelley and Andy had this to say. Now both boys are 13 years old and they told their parents that they didn't feel comfortable standing for the national anthem but instead wanted to make a statement for their people and the rights of their mob. Now Cracks, how did you feel when you saw this? When I first saw this show I felt proud, gents, to, um, for two young men to be able to stand up for what they believe in, believe in on such a big stage, their grand final. It's a testament to their family and I think mm. the, the young boys themselves to be able to actually stand up and do that. To say it is one thing and then to be actually to follow through and do it is, is something quite powerful. And I think um, they may be trendsetters in uh, at some sorts, these boys, so um, I'm, I'm very proud for them to be able to do that. The panel went on to discuss how much strength it takes to make such a public stand about something that you believe in and how Andy and Nathan felt about the anthem when they were playing and I highly recommend you mm. tune in. Mm. That sounds well, awesome. And it makes me think too, Kathy Freeman with the flag, mm. you know, those extraordinary moments. Mm. And even and Megan Rapino most recently as well, watching these incredible athletes, one, be at their best mm. and demonstrate to us the greatest that the body can do, but then also stepping up and showing us how important that platform is and how it can be shared. And we see it through generations. We mm. spoke with Lydia, you spoke with Lydia Williams last week, whose yes. hero when she was young was Kathy Freeman. And mm. she now speaks out about equal pay. It's amazing the impact, the long lasting impact. And it, it's just incredible the hit that people have to take like Colin Kaepernick, to be the person that makes it easier and Adam Goods, who makes it easier for people like Sydney Stack to lead the war cry at Dreamtime. All of these things have long-term repercussions but also benefits. Absolutely. So before she jumped on a plane to Hawaii, (laughs) Emma actually paid a visit to Punt Road and sat down and had a chat with Brendan Gale. So we are thrilled to bring you this interview. Thank you for giving us some time on the Outer Sanctum today, Brendan. It's so nice to be here at Tigerland. It's a beautiful day. What does that September feeling do to you? The sun, the crispness, there's a different feel, there's a different energy. We're going to play finals, it'll be our sixth finals campaign in seven years. I think we're really well placed, we're doing some really good work off the field. It's a great, it's, it's a really exciting part of the journey. It's where it goes, we don't know. We're just on this 
We don't know. It's an, it's an adventure. After you know? 2017, do you approach it differently or do you approach it the same or what have you learnt since then? No, pretty much the same. I mean, 17 was all sort of new. I mean, we played finals previously, but, you know, getting deep into September and grand final week was all new and all the pressures and demands. And But looking back now, I just think, God, most things... I'm talking about off the field and the, and the, and the, the incredible effort that goes into, you know, getting your team and your organisation ready. Not a lot went wrong. Got a lot of good people here. Mm. I think the difference on field is this this time last year, maybe about four rounds out, it was like, okay, we're one in 17, it's not a one-off. We've proved that we're a good team. We're top of the ladder. We're two games clear. Now what? I wish we'd just get through these next three or four rounds. I, I wish we could just, I, I hope we're intact. I hope we, we're not injured. We stopped, I guess, sharpening the saw a little bit. And so I don't have that feeling this year. I feel as though we're hell for leather. You know, we've had to... We've had to work really hard to get ourselves back into a strong position. I still feel there's a real sharpness and that intent, but from a position of confidence. You've had football in your life for such a long time and you've had a really unique perspective on football. Do you still sometimes get a, a whiff of that September feeling that you felt as a child and what that felt like before you were in this role? Yeah, occasionally. Occasionally. I mean, it's not, not even just September. It's just, it's just a whiff of the magic of football. We should all try and find a way to rediscover that magic from time to time because, you know, in the cut and thrust of footy, it can get knocked out of you. I went out for five minutes to watch training today and the sun, I felt the sun on my back and got a little sniff that grass and, and yeah, a little feeling. But similarly, a few weeks ago, we had a hard luck story with a, a family who lost their home in a fire and their grandparents brought the kids down because they had nothing. That everything was completely wiped out. It's so the grandparents, the friends of the family, and organised, you know, wanted to bring them down and get some pajamas and a few little tiger things. Saw their posters, and someone suggested they should go, should go down and meet this person and just, you know, say how you going to the stuff. And I had a lot of stuff on, and just say, yeah, I'll get down. But in the end, I decided to go down, and the guys that organised Tom Lynch to come and drop this gear off. I see these little kids, you know, and they're they're okay. They they don't really understand the majesty or the significance of what's happened. But I see Tom Lynch walk in, and I just see them, and I, I go, oh my God. Here I was 20 minutes earlier, just sweating over stuff at my desk, and oh, I should go down there, and you know. So, so that's just what I'm talking about, you know. It, it reminds you of the impact you can have, and, and being childlike, so yeah. Last week it hit me, I was here at the, the Inclusion and Diversity yeah. Action Plan launch. Tigerland was full of people who, you know, maybe 10 years ago we wouldn't have seen at footy clubs. When you were speaking, it really struck me that I thought just in your lifetime you must have seen the landscape of faces at football clubs change so much. Hmm. How do well, you feel about that? Well, it's, it's really it's rewarding. I mean, we can and we should. And it comes at a time when I, when I reckon um, as a society we're more fragmented than ever before. There's reasons, there's technology and there's, but there's just, a, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of polarisation and a lot of shouting and people are in their camps and we put, you know, and a lot of those big social institutions that, that we'd look to, to bring communities together, to strengthen communities, it's probably fair to say we've got less trust in, less faith in. And I speak, I speak of politics and I speak the, the ability of politics to build community and the media. The divisive nature of me, it's part of the, you know, outrage is, is the new media model. It has, and religion is less relevant than it was 30 years ago. So I think football has the ability, or sport, sport, let's say sport, but let's say football has the ability. We don't have to divide. We don't. There's no, there's no good business in us creating division and conflict. We can include, and we can make people feel welcome. So we can, and we should, because it makes good business. You did talk about that in your speech on that day. You talked about it not just being 
altruistic. You talked about it yeah. being good business sense. How do you see that manifest around the club? I mean, I, I know that premierships are important and membership numbers are important, but how else do you see it? I said upstairs, we had to win footy games. There's nothing more important than winning football games and finals and ultimate premierships. But it's not why we exist. We've got a deeper purpose. But it's about connecting. You know, we were given a licence 100 years ago, in 1885, we formed as a football club by a group of members, the Royal Hotel of all places, to operate a football club. And so they give us the legal right to operate. So we've got to responsibility to connect with our members and make them feel involved with our club and, and proud. And But if you take that to a broader view, you know, and we're no longer 3121, you know, we're, you know we've, got, we've, we've got a responsibility to, to keep our people involved, make them feel proud of their club and be a club that speaks for all, welcomes for all, and, and it, that builds and strengthens community and, and which is ultimately the community that supports us. So how do I see it manifesting itself? I see it manifesting itself in having 103,000 members. To start with that. So people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. So I think people connect with our underlying purpose. Our corporate, our partners, our partners don't want to put just badges on jumpers anymore. They want to walk shoulder to shoulder with this into some of these other spaces. How do I see it internally from workplace? I look, I could show you our staff engagement surveys off the scale. So far above benchmark, that it's not funny. What, what are the drivers of that engagement? Our purpose. These are all things that, that I can point to. And so, yes, it is, we can play a role because of our institutional strength as a code and as a club in building communities and, and, and the community that ultimately supports us. The thing that was remarkable was BHP. That's a point, I don't know if you remember, I made the point. I'd read an article the week before, Andrew McKenzie said creating social value and shareholder value are not mutually exclusive. They've had a lot to say on climate policy. They've had a lot to say on gender. They've had a lot to say on the Uluru Statement. This is BHP. This is the top end of town. And we look at that all the time on the Outer Sanctum about the way that institutional change and changing the pillars of business actually change the culture mm. and they can change it for the better. Yep. So a century ago, you were granted a licence to have a men's team. Mm. You're at the helm as you've been granted a licence to have a women's team. Mm. And next year, next season, that will be an unbelievably historic milestone for this very proud and traditional club. Do you spend much time keeping your eyes across the women's program and, and how do you feel about that moment for this club? <laughs> I sure do. It's a, a significant opportunity, but it's a significant investment, uh, but investment worth making. So uh, at our very purpose, we talk about connecting inclusion and equity. And so I think it's great from an equity point of view that young girls, you know, my daughters can say, I want to play with the Tigers. That's a wonderful thing at its most fundamental. But the second thing is the growth, you know. And look, this is the entertainment business and it's the sports marketing, it's the feelings business. It's an emotional business. We need to be relevant. You've got to be relevant. If you're not relevant, uh, it's, that's trouble. Australia's changing fast, you know, rapidly. It's changing from a multicultural point of view. And we need to be conscious of presenting ourselves in different ways at footy club. Now clearly gen gendered is the most obvious diversity because women have had no place in our game in the playing and the managing and even in the even how the story of sport is told. Before you guys there wasn't much at all was there. It's just, or, so it's been told from in. It's just an extraordinary opportunity for growth in the way we present our club and market our club. Thirdly, it just gives us access to talent. It's, it's like seismic change. And so for many years we've had, we've had we, you know, women haven't seen a, a place to support for them because there's not a, you know, they don't see women. Women just don't see it as a legitimate career option. But now, you know, with women's football, just having good, strong, capable women around the place, it just normalises the environment, which is, let's be honest, it's a pretty 
the environment that I've come up, it's a pretty strange environment, really. But it normalises it and it creates a whole series of positive type implications, um, but also increased talent pool. So we have players coming through, and then through that will become administrators and physios and doctors, etc., etc. You know what I mean? It's, it's going to be incredible. And then there's corporate partners. We've got the second most number of members. I didn't know that. We've got the second highest members in the competition for AFL. We don't even have a team yet. So spent spent a lot of time thinking how we how we accommodate them. You know, we've got this lovely facility that was built in 2011-12. We had one team and 53 staff. We have four teams next year mm-hmm. and 120 staff. So accommodating for our current and future needs, but also they need to be fit for purpose. They need to be for women. We've had all the bloody electrical sockets in there. Okay, we have to go and double up all the. I said, what the? Fuck, what are you talking about? She said, all the hair straight. I said, I'll give us a spill. <laughs> She said, I'm deadly serious. We want to be the best. We want to provide the best environment. We want hair straighteners. We want hair dryers. I said, are you actually serious? Spray tan. I'm not joking. My daughters play. I've never seen someone spray tan in my life. Not my girl. 16, 14, you're old. Anyway, they're just team photos. Just... There's a lot of issues that surround this game because we love to talk about it. We have an excess of media talking about it. But a really big issue for this game is concussion. All of the research in CTE coming out of the States demonstrates that there are bit ahead of the game on research than we are. How much time do you spend deep diving it and thinking about it and reading about it and looking to, to safeguard the futures of people who are playing um, for you? A lot, actually. One, one. I guess I've got a, a particular interest, like coming from the Players Association, and I was always... I couldn't give a rat's about rules and umpiring and those sorts of... You know, at the end of the day, the AFL takes care of those sorts of things and worried about things I can control. But I always had a great interest in rules um, around player safety and play because the most important responsibility we have as administrators, the most important, um, the paramount responsibility is to keep our people safe. So I've had an interest. Our board has had a, a great interest. We've got quite a few lawyers that we take a very, but a very prudent approach to risk and how that's managed. And we, uh, you know, we get. In fact, we had the. We had the chief medical officer of the AFL comes and presents annually to the board about different areas of you know work streams at the AFL around you know mental health or certainly concussion head trauma. So look, there are a number of research projects being conducted. I'm not in a position to assess the merits of one against the other. What I will say as a general rule is that I mean you can't compare the AFL to the NFL. The AFL has got the longest longitudinal injury and health survey in the world. It's been conducted by the AFL, the AFL Medical Officers Association. It started with Dr John Orchard. I'd say it's nearly 30 years old. And so whenever there's been, you know, like an issue or a trend or whatever, they've, I reckon they've taken steps to address, you know, there's been rule changes. There's At community level, at elite level, there's been a series of preventative steps and measures. The NFL, not only did they have knowledge that there was a causal link between head trauma and CTE, um, and not, and they didn't just put their head in the sand. They went out of their way to discredit, and that's they're they're incredibly exposed. Whereas I think the AFL has been very open and saying this is a tough game, and we need to take this very very seriously. And there'll if there'll be serious penalties and sanctions for clubs who don't. And I think it's it's an area where you know we we probably take a lead from the AFL in terms of driving policy and research and. We've got to make sure that we're strict around the management of it, but you can't be too vigilant. I'll finish up with this one. There's a lot of trade rumours going around AFL all the time, but there's one that doesn't leave us, and that is you to AFL House. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was get, I was getting ready to talk about Brandon Ellis. I thought, God, this is interesting. No, yeah. it's the big one I want to talk about. Yeah, you don't yeah. have to answer, but is there? do you have any interest in that job? Would that be a job that you would want to do? Um, I prefer not to even think about it, Emma. Um, and I don't. I truly don't. 
So, you know, I think one of the keys to being effective in your job is just to focus on your job and staying in the moment. And I think as soon as you look back or look too far forward, so I don't think about it. So one week at a time? One week at a time. Thanks for spending some time with the Outer Sanctum today. Pleasure, Emma. It's been great. Cheers. You know what I love about this team? I love how people bring stuff even when they're not actually in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Alicia brought us in Around the Grounds and here it is. My name's Jodie Webb. I uh, started playing this year AFL Masters, which is for women over 35's footy for the first time in my life. And I play for the Waverley Warriors, which is based in Oakley East. I've never played footy in my life, but one of the cricket mums actually came and approached me to get involved in a team that she played for. Uh, Interestingly enough, her last season, she dislocated her shoulder in the very first game, was out for the whole season, but then came back to play in the last game and then continued on this year. So that was an inspiring enough uh, situation that I thought it must be something I should look into. So I went along to have a go at training one day. I used to play rugby union, so I guess I am a sporty sort of a person, but hadn't really... I've played the under-8s mother-son footy game where I tore a calf, so that was my only experience actually playing footy. But uh, now it's sort of become part of my DNA, I guess. Well, look, initially I was pretty uh, quiet in the background sort of a person because I'd never played. Some of these women had played uh, as juniors but then had to stop because women weren't allowed to go on playing footy at that stage. Um, Some were new to footy like myself, so there was, I think... 18 new members of the Waverley Warriors this year because the club sort of did a bit of a split and some moved to a different team last year. But eventually, I sort of, as you get to know people in the team, it became just a really great new community for me to be involved in. Wonderful bunch of ladies. The highlights have been, um, I mean, for me, I love to run. So the highlights for me when, you know, just getting the ball and breaking through and, um, you know, that feels very exciting in the moment. I'm sure it doesn't look quite as exciting off the field. But I guess the most exciting times are when you feel you're really contributing to the team as a whole and personally putting something in that, you know, you're actually making a difference to the, to the team for the day. I just think there is an untapped potential to get women involved in this game. It's over 35s at the moment. The men's masters has over 50s, over 55s, over 45s. The women's, it's all sort of bundled into one in the over 35s within Melbourne. So someone retired this year at the age of 65. There's women who are probably just 35, but there's all sorts of fitness. It's very all inclusive. No one makes you feel bad if you can't run as fast as the other girls. It's just everyone's so supportive. And I had a pretty tough year. My father passed away and that community just came around me so closely wore a black armband when I was up at my dad's funeral you know mentioned it in the footy record like it was just it was a really special thing to see your team sort of get around you like that towards the end of the footy season I got approached to see if I'd been interested in heading out along to the Vic Metro team to head up to the national carnival every year there's a carnival held at different locations around Australia last year it was in New South Wales so it was bit more accessible to the team but this year it's in Townsville so it's um, very exciting to be able to pull on the big V. I haven't got my jumper yet, the presentation's in a couple of weeks but you know it would be great to be able to get more people along. Unfortunately you know the cost can be a bit of a prohibitive uh, factor and not just cost, it's a cultural issue as well. The men's team sit more as a bit of an end of year footy trip for the guys to all get away together. It's a week away, it's school holidays, you know, it's expensive, um, people would lose income by going. So I guess it's something that probably has to shift in terms of giving women the chance to take time out to really celebrate their season and, and compete at a higher level within that age group of the over over 35s. Um, there's quite a few of the Waverley Warriors who are going up and uh, I think we're learning a lot from that coming together of people from different teams and different backgrounds. It's really exciting. Do you have a theme song? 
we do it's the Tigers theme song which is a bit conflicting for me because I went to watch the Lions Tigers on the weekend I'm a Lions supporter and as the Tigers were singing at the end I started to join in and I'm like no (laughs) we are up to final business and you know we were talking earlier about how you can leave a legacy Mm. and how you can kind of bring people along and the things that you do have an impact we saw a beautiful thing this week in the U.S. Open tennis, which I don't usually watch the tennis, but hey, I saw this. After she defeated Coco Goff, Naomi Osaka went over and had a beautiful chat with her where you could see she was talking about her game and asked her to come and share the microphone for the on-court interview. And it was a beautiful example of how to, I guess, support somebody in that moment, how to give them an opportunity to do something that is a little bit outside of their comfort zone. Now, remember, Coco is only 15 years 15. old. Incredible. And have a listen to this audio. Coco, this crowd absolutely loves you. Wipe those tears away. Tell us what Naomi told you at the net. She told me that I did amazing and good luck. And then she asked if I could do the on-court interview with her. And I said no, because I knew I was going to cry the whole time. But she encouraged me to do it. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, she did amazing. And I'm going to learn a lot from this match. Once again, thank you, Naomi. I don't want people to think that I'm trying to take this moment away from her because she really deserves it. So thank you. Naomi, you're a class act. I just want to see if they're still here. You guys raised an amazing player. And I think you guys are amazing. I think Coco, you're amazing. I'm not crying. You're crying. (laughs) I love it when everybody cries. Sport always makes me cry. What else? You had something that you saw, Tess. I did. I went along for my birthday, very on brand. My husband took me to see former Justice of the High Court of Australia, Michael Kirby, do a speech about human rights and (laughs) law. He's such a rock star. I know. Living my best life. But I would go and see Michael Kirby speak any day, though. I'd go and see him order coffee. He was talking about Mabo, and he was talking about how politicians at the time said, we don't want unelected people making laws in this country because he, they were accused of a lot of activism in the law with the judges making that call at that time. So in speaking about that, he had this amazing quote. You know when someone says something and it just hits you like a sledgehammer? He said, democracy is a symphony. So it's not just all woodwind. It's not just all percussion. You need a whole lot of instruments to make a beautiful orchestra and you need a whole lot of instruments working together. I'd like to see football media as a symphony. There can be pure analysis shows. There can be pure silly shows. There can be both. There can be everything. But if you're only appealing to the woodwind crew, you're not opening up yourselves to a new audience. You're not You're not improving your ratings. You're not opening up your circles. You're not introducing yourself to people who like violin. Why don't you have a little mm. bit of both? Why don't you have everything working together to make a beautiful song? Can I just jump in here and say, I don't know whether you've seen there is a new show uh, that's coming out for the oh finals no. called <laughs> The Bull Ring. And The Bull Ring is going to feature Gary Lyon, John Jonathan Brown and Nick Rewalt and all very valid oh, voices to talk about mm. football. But I guess what really hit me with that is if you name something the bull ring, I'm guessing you're not going to bring a cowbell to that particular <laughs> orchestra. Nick, did you have anything? I just wanted to reference, it's another NFL story actually, but it's about Ryan Russell, who's a defensive end. He's an NFL free agent at the moment, but he was a Dallas Cowboys player at one point. That was where he was drafted. And he wrote a piece for ESPN addressing his coming out as 
by a bisexual man. Now, this makes him the only bisexual man playing any of the four main uh, sports mm. in the US. So that's the NHL, the NFL, the NBA and baseball. So he wrote about, and it's a really, he's a great writer, mm. Ryan Russell. He's a beautiful writer. And I encourage you to read that. We'll have it put a link to our show notes. It was met with a lot of cynicism regarding his outing himself in this way because he's a free agent and obviously he wants to get signed and all these questions about, oh, here we go, it's Cap Mark II, so references to Colin Kaepernick, that any time anybody wants to be anything other than just a footballer within a particular mm. construct because obviously if they get married or have a baby or if they're a single father, that stuff's fine. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're allowed, we encourage that. But if it's anything outside of that very narrow lane, um, then it's considered to be political mm. and somehow cynical. Do we have somebody that we are calling out to this week, Nick? We do. The wonderful Cheryl Slocum. Hello, Yay, Cheryl. Hi, Cheryl. Cheryl is our online constant supporter. She is, has been pretty much from the beginning, but she's also our in real life supporter mm. <laughs> and she has shown up I've, at many of the gigs where I've been. She's also been a I have to say, personally, a supporter of my books for forever Aww. as well, which is just delightful. Cheryl is a pocket rocket. I'm allowed to say that because I'm also short. <laughs> She's also, she said something to me um, after a gig one time where she said, getting older has given her this freedom that she refuses to be quiet on things that make her angry. And she, this is how she's going to use her time. And this is how she's going to use her energy. And just Cheryl, thank you for all the work that you do. It's tireless, it's relentless, and it's incredibly powerful. We love everything that you do and thank you for your ongoing support. She's someone who always brings truth into every room. She does. She really does. Hey, it is finals. So here is your rev up. Get your scarf. Tie it properly. Make sure you've got your badges ready. Sort out your footy food now. Do not muck around with condiments because you play a role. Do not forget it. That is what you do as a fan. So thank you so much for being with us for another week. Next week we will probably have some other people back in the studio. But for now, coming from us, we are going to say... Go footy! Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.